0: Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of UCR's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, UCR third-year psychiatry resident, Dr. DM Nguyen. Hi, DM.
1: Hi, Dr. Parks.
0: Second-year psychiatry resident, UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hi, Dr. Parks. And second-year psychiatry resident, UCR, Dr. Joshua Poole. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing, Dr. Parks? The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent UCR, UCR Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Okay, so this is part two of our Halloween spooky episodes. We did a little little inside info. We record them back to back. And so we were going to record the second show when a spooky thing happened. We were walking to the next supposedly haunted spot, which is the um, second room of the uh, archive room of the unused books when we just by chance passed next to the paranormal psychology section and the occult section and that's what we're here right now we're right in front of many uh, books about the occult is
2: is this like mere coincidence because Joshua seemed to have like focus in this as we were going to our I feel like he was drawn to it what what happened Joshua?
3: you know it's weird like you guys all walked one direction and then I went uh, just like a completely separate yeah. direction, and just glanced aside, and I was like, "What is all that?" So it's so and weird. it's just, it's just like a compendium of parapsychology stuff. So On right, the basement, a skeptic's handbook to parapsychology. Let's see, uh, occult phenomena, the spiritism in psychology. Let's see, what else do we have? Telepathy and clairvoyance, varieties of anomalous experience, and then we also have anomalistic psychology, all right here, like directly where i walked
0: so actually you could just be doing research right now as we're doing the show as we're
3: doing the show <laughs> hey, a wealth weird. of information it was maybe, a little maybe bit weird. Power of attraction <laughs> why today because we are in a library
0: okay, okay <laughs> but your mind could have been primed to see what I'm saying. parapsychology books as you quickly scanned you know what's weird is i didn't
3: look at the titles of any other books along the way
0: just this or one thing. you didn't thing. recognize or notice any. Oh,
3: that's possible. Okay,
0: that's possible. I kind of want to pick up with something that we kind of ended mm, in. You got me there. About what you can do, what you're willing to do and whether it all has to do with belief or not. And so I'm more of a skeptic. I think I could be in a haunted house by myself and spend the night. But I also feel like I, you're, you're kind of messing with your psychology. Like you, Joshua, I was raised... In a very religious uh home so i feel like even though i don't like intellectually have a belief in um spirits and demons and such if if there was a a room filled with ouija boards and bones and and i was all alone and i would i would i like sleep on them and <laughs>
2: how much would that take to have you sleeping and there? then
0: with that with a pentagram pentagram yeah. blanket or something so that's where you draw the line I well I feel like I, I still wouldn't believe it, but then would I would it would it still stick in my mind just a little bit and cause me like affect the quality of my life? Maybe. I'm kinda of messing with my psychology there.
2: Yes you are. And and I don't know if I will do it to be honest. But uh the other story I was to tell you before I did that when I was a kid too. We just like said like this place there's supposed to be a haunted house. There was, used to be a house market back home in Mexico. Uh it actually belonged to one of my family but it was abandoned for many years um so we decided to go out like after midnight a group of us with flashlights and whatever and just try to see what happened because the story was that they used these Ouija boards and then things had started to happen after that and, and it made the house haunted right and well and then they couldn't get rid of it if you try to you know get rid of the, the Ouija board in the trash or something it will just come back and always appear behind the, the stove in the kitchen so we're looking for that thing and I don't know. It was night, you know, we going in there. But like I said, you kind of prime your senses. You're hypervigilant. Your fear response kicks in. So you're trying to find something because you curiosity. were it, it,
0: Can I make a comment here? You were much more involved in the cult, in the <laughs> occult activity. Like you're going to cemeteries. You're going to haunted houses with Ouija boards. That, that was I amazed. never did that stuff.
2: Well, good for you. That was a phase. That was I your phase. Friends, a phase. A friends My I have friends who were interested in this. Like instead of hanging out to the movies, like, okay, this week we're gonna try that. Were you we trying to get scare things? yourself,
0: or you were you trying to like compare like uh, courage and manhood?
2: I think the second one. <laughs> try to prove my courage or something. <laughs> but then it got to a point where it's like, okay, this is enough. Cause this is the other thing I wanted to bring up. Like, you know, have you guys heard about that? Like, if you go to this place, where it's supposed to be haunted that spirits the thing that you might keep a spirit with you, following you because you are disrespecting their space. So I kinda, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. And maybe I had some sort of a sleep paralysis uh, experiences at some point when I say it's kinda like, okay, I shouldn't be doing this, you know? And I almost So you attributed it to that, going to that haunted- Yes. Like trying to poke things here and there and see what sticks. It's like, okay, this is too much. Okay. Yeah, go ahead joshua
3: yeah this actually brings up a very interesting point along the lines of regardless of whether or not you think these are even external events happening to you the fear you experience is is real it doesn't feel good so like the reason i still wouldn't go near this stuff is uh, some part of me on some level is suggest suggestible to it and so like if i were to engage with this behavior would my mind go there more frequently would i have to spend time thinking about freaky things and then when i'm not in a like primary mode consciousness where i'm like thinking about things in a rational way like normal waking consciousness and i'm in a different like falling asleep or doing something different what if i can't just top-down process and like rationalize all that stuff you
0: have to uh, always reconvince yourself
3: you have to reconvince yourself and it's probably better to i mean the brain as we said before is like a, a meaning finding machine it probably matters what you put into it. So don't put in stuff that's going to freak you out later.
1: <laughs> I think it's also interesting how we're drawn to fear. And that's what I'm hearing from both of you right now. You're, you're seeking out like adventure. You're seeking out like... um and I think I read an article, a really interesting article about this once, and Dr. Parks, you can talk about it, about how why we watch horror movies and how that draws out like the thrill-seeking experience in us because, in our primitive nature, we would be living like you know facing lions, facing tigers, and we would experience fear. But we live in a very safe society, relatively right now, and so we don't have that. Fear fear experience anymore so a large part of us watching horror movies or doing a lot of these things is we're sort of trying to invoke that like thrill-seeking experience get we place ourselves in the role of the murderer or the victim um yeah now
0: is the point of that to try to gain power over your fears because that you control in a very controlled setting you're, you're sitting there you're watching this yeah, movie that's going to last two hours and that's it
1: it's a controlled setting but you're acting it out in a way you're experiencing it in, in a way and i think that's so interesting that we're drawn to that that we're a part of us is still an animal wanting to experience like danger
0: well i want to ask you all like why is this increasing because according to surveys belief in ancient civilizations has increased since 2016 by 17% from 40% to 57% Um, belief in aliens visiting the earth has increased haunted spirits bigfoot (laughs) come on people but anyway um, people that can move objects with their minds belief in that has increased why has that increased this last three years constant programming on the history channel I, I'm you know what I think you're. Only, I think you're right. I I think it's kidding.
1: ingrained Harry Potter. <laughs> like,
0: it, I, it was sounding. It you did know, seem realistic in Harry Potter, but I know I think you're right. I think you're understanding, Joshua. I, okay, continue.
3: I do think that, like, um, here I go again with this whole needing myths and whatnot. But I think you know, most of at least Western society was organized under kind of a prevailing myth. Making structure that uh, like we're we're all kind of familiar with sort of the same stories or like if you have all this kind of the same religion But as that goes down and you have sort of this absence of myths that you kind of ascribe Meaning to and like organize your ideas around We're supplementing with a lot of different things. I think in modern society TV, I mean, this is the golden area of TV and movies and we have these new myths and we spend less time doing manual labor and more time doing intellectual labor as a society. And so boredom becomes an issue. So you start filling it with more and more things. And some of that stuff is just like the History Channel telling you about aliens building pyramids and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I,
1: th- I think I know what you're trying to get at. I think there's a, you know, a dissociation, more it, is this on trend with the fact that people also identify as less religious now. And so now this is a substitute for kind of our understanding and our faith before.
2: But wouldn't religion also kind of invoke to that that the fact that there's evil and good, and then when there's evil, there involves demons and all the things that you might believe?
0: I, I think, I bet someone has studied that. And maybe one of our listeners has studied that, and they can email us that that as religion is going down, these beliefs and these other kinds of myths or paranormal things is going up. That sounds like a good study to to do. But I, you know, I kind of want to kind of maybe I can move it to a just slightly give different. give us credit, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Credit. Put us a, a third author, third authors for sure. Um, uh, but I want to kind of move to um, what are the cognitive, if any, and I believe there are. Um, differences between people who are believers and people who are not believers.
3: Okay, so I was actually just reading an article about this called the Entropic Brain Theory. It was not specifically about this, but it did reference kind of the idea of, I think we talked about a little bit in the first episode, of like primary state consciousness and secondary state consciousness. And the hypothesis or the argument that they make is that the primary state consciousness are like earlier in evolutionary history. And they're the type of consciousness that are found in early psychosis, the psychedelic state, uh sort of like that transitive twilight sleep kind of state where it's not primarily like a prefrontal cortex top-down type processing where it's very rational it's more open to suggestion it's more open to free thinking Um, this is where early psychosis can take place so that you can kind of bring in more information that is not rigorously evaluated And then secondary state consciousness is more of an evolved one. It's more of the cortical function, it's top layer, where you're evaluating things in a rational kind of top-down way. And they've found that people who spend more time sort of in this secondary state consciousness, one, are more logical, but two, also happen to be more ruminative. They tend to think about things more, and they can be a little bit more depressed, actually. Mm-hmm. Whereas people who spend less time in this ruminative state uh, are a little less depressed. They're a little bit more focused in the moment. They can, they can be happier, but they're also more open to suggestion. Mm.
0: I think that makes I sense. Know. And I, I think that, you know, and, it, 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 you know and, so, and there's some studies showing that even depressed people are a little bit more realistic about estimating probabilities of their own abilities, because they're yeah. more realistic about it and where other people are more suggestible that they, maybe they're better than they actually are. That's, a, that's interesting. But it, there, is, there are some studies that have separated people between intuitive and reflective thinkers, and they found that the people that are um, reflective thinkers, they don't go with their first impulse. They kind of uh, spend longer to kind of uh, examine things. Those folks are less prone to suggestion, less prone to believe in paranormal beliefs so that that is something and then there's another thing called conjunction fallacies which people that believe in paranormal beliefs tend to associate causal relations between two independent events more than others
3: are these like the same people who are more open to suggestion with like conspiracy theories and whatnot
0: yeah absolutely absolutely yes so if like like let's say that you thought randomly of a um of a of, of a friend and then they called so those are You're you're thinking of this old friend you haven't thought in a while, and then them calling. People that uh, are subject are are prone to conjunction fallacies will think that those things are related, and they believe in paranormal beliefs way more than people thinking that's just just happenstance; it's just randomness.
3: It's interesting also that like in early psychosis or in florid psychosis and schizophrenia, like one of the prevailing. psychotic features is like paranoid delusions or ideas of reference like they feel one of the things people comment on all the time is that they they have uh, belief that the TV is talking directly to them or um, there's this kind of idea that things that don't have intrinsic connection start to have connection I think uh, who was it the beautiful mind uh, was something Nash um, he was the yeah. the genius that came up with a good portion of game theory He also had schizophrenia and he was able to see patterns and all kinds of things But then those were unsubstantiated like turned out to not really be connected things But he was drawing connections and once again the brain being a meaning-finding machine Makes connections sometimes where they don't exist
0: No, that makes a lot of sense um, You know w- uh, l- 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 if you're just joining us This is the special part two edition, Halloween edition of Let's Get Psyched. The reason why it sounds a little differently and we're talking a little bit more hush is because we're broadcasting from the basement of the Tomas Rivera library. Why? Because there's reports that it's haunted. And and the basement is one of those areas. Jiggling uh, um, doorknobs and things like that. We have not heard anything, but we did randomly walk pa- past the paranormal section that dr- we felt compelled or drawn to it and we're right here n- next to the paranormal section
3: <laughs> but you know maybe we're uh,
0: joshua has special i do
3: maybe have p- <laughs> or we're attributing significance to two
0: independent variables mm-hmm. I, that sounds that sounds right i don't know too so okay so we're going to um you know, keep walk, walking talking? okay so now we're outside tomas rivera library it's nighttime and then we're walking and uh, we're continuing to talk about, on Let's Get Psyched, about haunted experiences, uh, p- beliefs in paranormal activity, what causes a person or what types of person believes in paranormal, paranormal activity. Um, we, we, as far as the influences, I, I, you know Josh, I, I feel like you are right in that a lot of it has to do with media representations. You know, just recently, the uh, content moderators of Facebook... Um, when they uh, are exposed to a lot of conspiracy theories, they walk away believing them. So just yeah, just the exposure of like what else would explain such a gigantic leap in belief in ancient civilizations other than what you were saying, the History <laughs> Channel, basically. Yeah, no, that seems very reasonable. But also, there's other things like um, they they found that people that um, believe in paranormal beliefs that there's some temporal lobe uh, li- um, liability, there's some hemispheric dominance, um, there's Also, some developmental variations, uh, such as trauma, childhood trauma, um, leads to um, some belief in paranormal activity. There's um, um, also uh, uh, the ability to have um, um, to belief in fantasy, um, uh, suggestibility, that kind of thing. They've they've identified a host of personality differences also that lead to uh, belief in the paranormal, and so. I'm wondering, like, you know, do you feel like you have noticed when clients have, let's kind of move it to a more clinical practice kind of thing, when you've noticed clients have a, an extensive kind of belief in either conspiracy theories or paranormal activity, do you use that
2: diagnostically? Do you feel like that's an issue for treatment in the future? So um, um, I'm gonna have all the experience, but what I can tell is like you do take that in consideration. Like if they express ideas of paranoia or they are hyper religious, talking about in the context of religion and demons and all that, you always have to take in consideration what's the background. Are they really religious? You know, where they grew up with that experiences. Do they have uh, other experiences kind of like in that area? But I'm not sure if there's a certain um, kind of type of personality. Do you know? Anybody knows Josh? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, we do have like diagnostic
3: criteria for people who have magical thinking, like schizotypal personality disorders, like this sort of magical belief in certain things and it, it we we call it kind of bizarre, but there's there's not really any treatment for it. I mean, we just call it what it is and then maybe make some predictions about what that means. And we let it eccentric go. and we let it go. That's a very good way to put it. Like we what are you going to do? I mean, that's just how some people are and it's it's fun. I don't know. Sometimes people, you know, it's not harmful.
0: Now, do you feel like if someone is very prone to paranormal beliefs or conspiracy theories that that in the end is a net negative for their recovery? Or do you feel like it's completely separate from your thoughts about psychological health?
3: I guess it depends on like what type of things they're They're having these conspiracy theories about and then like whether or not they're acting on them. So if you have like a conspiracy theory that, you know, um, 9-11 was an inside job or something and you're trying to like enact some retribution or you're causing other people to just distress by doing that then you you definitely need to intervene I think
1: if it's syntonic or like you feel like it's ho- or helpful for you and it doesn't bother you then why why should we make it an issue i think when it starts to be harmful to you when you feel it makes you paranoid it makes you fearful it makes you act out that's when we start stepping in because then there are cons- more severe consequences
3: like if you have if you have a belief in a conspiracy or a delusion that like the holocaust didn't happen that that bears a lot of ill will towards a whole group of people you know so like that's something that you probably should address so
0: somehow. as far as the helpful part of paranormal paranormal beliefs it's, it's almost like a, is it a religion that's kind of helping you it's like is, are these supernatural or paranormal beliefs helping you in some way helping your life and if
2: it's fine don't, and if they're egocentric, then fine well i wouldn't necessarily say like it might help you but it, it, that could explain why your, you know uh distorted thinking could be related to that and and maybe let's say if it feels uh schizotypal personality disorder or it's just psychosis and then once you control that then you can still I mean, I'm curious about like assessing how much of that's still ingrained in, the r- in people's brain and mentality, and also if there's some sort of like cognitive inhibition that dates weak on the brains, too. Does that yeah. make sense? No, no, no. What, what, What is... So, like, I mean, like, cognitive inhibition, like, so people who are more superstitious or believe in these things are more their cognition like sensorial meaning like the way they interact and sense the environment you know um might be inhibited, and then all like we talked before misinterpret all this signals or stimuli near you, right? What if it's an illusion, like something you might see, something you might hear, and stuff like that, so... All right, yeah, okay, see, now I I think it's getting more closer to where I... I feel like if someone
0: has a number of paranormal beliefs or conspiracy theories, I would be more concerned, for sure. I would feel like, you know, I would wonder, how is this being affected? uh, How are they misinterpreting social cues? How are they... um, uh, you know what? What? How much time are they investing in some of these beliefs, rather than things that are maybe more meaningful? Their other aspects of their lives, you so know, either socially or occupationally or, right, um, academically.
2: So, so the only thing I could say maybe about that is like that. Unconsciously, the brain trying to make sense out of things. Of course, it's going to be really influenced by if you believe in those conspiracy theories, if you believe in so and so looking at paranormal activity and that's how i, think I will conspiri- see it
1: i think the theories have to be also adjusted with a strong sense of self right because you uh, i think what we're hearing here is like we're all considered relatively okay what despite despite like whatever experiences we had because we understood that like our sense of self was still there and it made you know you face the devil but you put the cover in, under your head and you're you still slept in that bed day after day same with uh, you joshua when you're pulled under the bed i think that's actually very like um i think that's uh that's what keeps us going that sense of self um and it not letting it consume us
0: like well, I, I, and that brings up another point is that do you feel like you could get over any of these fears with something like gradual exposure like if you just like yes. had, like saw a picture so. of a Ouija board and then touched it and then eventually you could just sleep on so, it no problem
1: yes, yes so. absolutely maybe not a Ouija board next to like a uh, what is it the devil's mark or something or I bones or bones but yeah <laughs> that might take me a little longer but I definitely think exposure therapy works
2: so i did some or i can tell about some experience like that so talking about back sleep paralysis sleep paralysis happens when there's two in the briefly scheme of uh the sleeping cycle you get REM and non-REM sleep REM is rapid eye movement when you get restful sleep you have nightmares dreams and you can you don't move like there's like that uh innovation of your uh, muscle activity or movement because I guess the idea is that you don't want to start acting out in your dreams, right? So when when that cycle gets disrupted and then you suddenly wake up, you can't move and that's talking about like the demons on top of you and stuff like that, that happened to me several times but the one I remember when I was more like probably already 18, 19 years old I was always tired because I was training football doing architecture, all these projects so I would take a nap before training like that's still in the daylight I remember that happened and I wake up I feel like someone is choking me I turn around, and I see, like, this shadow has his, like, hands actually, you know, choking me, or me, and I can feel it, and I try to call mom, or whatever, it doesn't happen, so you know what happened? I actually got mad, like, oh, this person, like, if someone's actually trying to, like, kill you, or choke you, and all that, and I did that, like, just, like, tight myself, and and ended up waking up, and actually woke up mad, like, like who's trying to you know like like, uh choke me or something like that and then i look into it more like okay this is probably something that it's not more about ghosts or it's not about like someone um a spirit is trying to be on top of me or choking me but it's something that maybe because of my lack of sleep or maybe because of the stress right now can happen And, and i feel like after that i try to intellectualize it more maybe i didn't understand it in terms of the sleep cycle then but after that it hasn't really happened So now you're less of a believer. Well, I desensitized maybe after (laughs) exposure. Because it happened several times. I can remember. It used to happen.
0: Several times you were choked by a shadow man? Or just feel
2: like when you. I I think it's from going to a different (laughs) problem that you're having. (laughs) Sometimes violence, not really. I house with the ouija boards but i think this was wait well maybe a few years later so all that yeah, when see, i was in that building that thing. shadow man waited right. a few years oh, to go God. back to <laughs> well that's maybe that's why i, I just choose to be okay and, and then i don't deal or mess up with those things so they might be energies we will never know but i don't know i think that's what my experience has been so far it does seem to be. Um, it, it does seem to be a part, it, a, a very huge part.
0: If, let's keep. Wa- we're walking here now. We're, now we've reached the parking lot. Um, who knows if, if, if haunted things have happened in a parking lot? But that's where we are right now. It's very dark. But there's a lot of people here, um, and we're all, we're again we're talking. We're here on uh, our part two of our scary Halloween episode of Let's Get Psyched, and we're talking about paranormal belief, our own personal experiences. And um, what you can do to kind of manage them. All right. So, if someone has anyone in your practice actually complained about paranormal beliefs causing them psychological grief, and what have you recommended to them?
3: Um, yeah. I, yes, I think the patients that like, let's say, they have an acute psychotic episode, and they're they're saying, you know, the demons are chasing me, and it's it's very distressing. Well, I mean, in in that instance, it's it's pretty cut and dry that you're, you know, able and allowed to medicate, and then hopefully with a good amount of you know antipsychotic on board, you can reduce, you can reduce the overall like <laughs> psychotic
0: burden. But Edgar I don't know. is now shining a light up <laughs> above and Joshua as he's recounting <laughs> to this. try to it give me a little spooky, Edgar. Kind of Thank a spooky
3: you. campfire vibe, so. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, but, you know, there's also some evidence that, like, uh, de- delusions are particularly tenacious and they don't always respond to antipsychotics. Uh, I, in that instance, I, I don't really know what to do for patients other than, like, cognitive behavioral therapy and just trying to, you know, normalize. Has maybe. anyone
0: ever been spooked by a client talking about demons or ghosts or delusions and then for a second thought that maybe they are being haunted because I my supervisor actually did have a story about this because you're right, Joshua, some of the, the delusions that uh, that people say, they there's 100% belief in them. Mm-hmm. And this particular patient uh, said that they see ghosts and so they would see ghosts in the room while they were talking and it just gave... My, my, my supervisor st- got a little tingly on the back <laughs> of his neck and thought, look, maybe, maybe this person is seeing something. Has anyone...
3: I don't know that I've ever, like, believed what they were saying, but certain things they would describe were certainly uncomfortable, and I didn't want to think about it. It's like, yeah, don't tell me that. That's, that's very freaky. <laughs> I don't like that. I
1: would be concerned if I was a room in a room alone with the patient and surrounded by ghosts. Would Wouldn't I feel like that's a normal reaction.
0: The patient was saying that there was ghosts in the room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just because we don't see it, they believe it. And so their response based on what their belief is going to trigger your own. So I think it makes sense.
0: Do you ever feel like um, a patient? Yes, could be psychotic. Yeah, there could be some organic process. But also that made them more open to see things like that.
1: Yes, I think their temporal lobe is more open to hallucinations. I think we know that Uh,
0: more
3: open to the spirit world. You know, there's like just a historical just precedent boring. for that, that, you know, like the people who have schizophrenia in some cultures were like the shamans. They yeah, were the, the spirit. The the
1: spirit ch- fall out. She, had, e- she down, had epilepsy. She had like, epilepsy. Yeah. And she was considered a shaman. So
3: one final example of this whole thing. So I had one patient who had a delusional parasitosis and believed that she had lice despite repeated checking. I didn't believe she had lice, but. My head still itched when I got near her. I still was like, I don't know. You, you, might, you might have something. I don't. And it still, it still gives me the willies, even though I know it's not like a thing. That's a medical so term, the willies. So even though
0: we have complete belief that something doesn't exist, just the mere suggestion actually causes it. That's why be careful when you mess with your psychology. I guess that's the bottom line. And that's all <laughs> the time we have for this edition, our special second Halloween spooky edition of Let's Get Psyched. Today we talked about some of the cognitive differences in people that are susceptible to paranormal activity. A little bit about um, treatment uh, of people with um, a lot of hallucinations and delusions. Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. DM Nguyen, Dr. Edgar Ortega, and Dr. Joshua Poole. Also, special thanks goes to our producer, Elliot Fong. This episode was recorded in the studios of KUCR on the campus of the University of California, Riverside. I've been your host, Dr. Aaron Parks. Remember to Contact us on Get Psyched on K-U-C-R at gmail.com. That's Get Psyched on K-U-C-R at gmail.com. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.